very special episode because we have yours truly, our very own Mayor Bill Mutz with us. Uh, he's doing some amazing things in our community. And uh, both and I, my wife, we, we're like kids that's going to go to Disney the next day. We've been waiting right, for, right, this, right. <laughs> for this interview today. <laughs> Mayor, welcome to the show. Oh, it's my privilege to be here. So I'm the one in Disney, not you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit. I mean, uh, tell us how you grew up. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family so that way we can kind of take the listeners up uh, to where you are now. Well, I grew up in a hard work ethic family. I grew up on a farm and we had horses. And so that's kind of what I did uh, growing up all the time. My dad was a businessman and who I really respected. And he was well respected in our community as, as he worked. And I remember thinking as a kid, I'll never, ever be able to be as outstanding as my dad. I mean, I, I don't know if any of but he else has felt that way before. But you just kind of look at your parents' shadow and go, that's a long shadow. I wow. don't know I'll ever fit in that. And so um, he taught me tons, taught me a ton about self-discipline. He taught me certainly a lot about business issues. And he was an early delegator. So he let out as much line as he could l- l- allow me to take yeah. to see what would happen with it as he went along. And so he traveled a lot and he was gone during the week. And so he would... Um, uh, give me a list on Sunday night of what he wanted to have done in the next week on the farm kind of thing. And so yeah. my goal was always to make that happen sure. and do whatever needed to happen. And in the process, I was really learning how to run a small business. Absolutely. And I didn't realize that. And uh, But I appreciate that so much. My mom, on the other side, was all about heart and uh, much more involved in compassion and caring, was my early example spiritually in terms of leadership and who really was an important influence in my life and super gracious woman Wow! Uh, taught Bible studies with, with other women and uh, loved to host and always looked, uh, you know, well, like Alicia, you know, always looks great. So, <laughs> so that, that kind of thing. So um, we, we, um, that's kind of where I grew up. That was the setting. And then I had a sister and who was older, but I was kind of like her older brother always. Yeah. And so, uh, I filled in that role, protected her from the wrong people to date, you know, so, so <laughs> I even picked her up in the middle of a date one time and brought her home. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we have those experiences. Uh, I think it reminds me how important it is, though, in life that many times when we're going through some tedious work experiences, I built a mile and a half a board fence for the horses, which took a year and a half to do. Wow. And, you know, and was a tremendously difficult job. I started that in the eighth grade. Wow. And um, we, uh, you learn things and you go through the grind of life and you don't realize all of these serial experiences are going to matter long term. <laughs> yes. And, and God uses those in our lives in a way that allows us someday in the future to lean back into those moments. I think when we learn that early enough in our lives, we seize moments more enthusiastically that are mundane. Mm -hmm. And so um, that would be an encouragement, I would say, to someone who finds themselves in that right now. Wow, that's And we call that, if I can interject, a a chop wood carry water. Yes, that's right. (laughs) So you're in the process, mundane processes, every day, over and over, and you learn skills through that. Yeah, and I think what most people are, they see the Finnish Mayor Bill Mutz. Right. They don't see the hours spent on self-education. They don't see the hours spent working those tedious, mundane tasks over and over at a goal. They just see the success, and they expect that it's an overnight thing. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it isn't, and of course, that's even the way with decision-making in the role. Um, it takes a great deal of time to really, if you're going to make uh, very holistic decisions that involve assets that involve people, that involve timeliness, that involve footprints about what we're going to do. You need to know what you're doing and to study those issues well. And I am reminded of the fact that someone once said, if if you think you could answer this issue in one phrase, you probably have no idea how complicated (laughs) life is. And I think there's truth to that. And so as we're growing in our careers, uh, we can be mediocre. We can you know, get a participation ribbon for having played, or we can work 10% harder, and that 10% harder is a differentiator, and sometimes it may even take 20%. Mm -hmm. It takes some shifting of um, priorities at different times. So my priorities are God first, then my wife, then my family, and then church, and then work. And so when I, as I, you know, that's the normal order. 
but sometimes you're in a chapter where some of those things have to be flipped. You have sure. to put more emphasis on work to get through a grind on sure. something. Sure. But Pam would always say to me, okay, well, just get, I have my calendar out. When is this part over? <laughs> you know, okay. And she'd write it down and put it in there. And then on that day, she said, we're done now. Right, right. I, I want you back. <laughs> you have to remind you. Okay. So back when you were a kid as well, let's go back again. What type of ambitions did you have? I know that you had to do the things that your father said you had to do, but what did you really want to do as a kid? I wrestled with three things. I wrestled with um, whether or not I wanted to be a businessman, an attorney, or a doctor. And so uh, medical things always fascinated me. So probably if I were going to go, okay, I'd, if I'm going to choose from path two, I would go into medicine uh, wow. based on my life's experience. Uh, but I didn't, and I never felt a calling to do that when I had to make those decisions. I went, uh, I was in college with people who were in med school, and I wasn't feeling torn during that period of time. I uh, really went on uh, to pursue business, and then the other thing was to be a pastor. Wow! And wow. so, um, uh, in fact, I remember dating a girl in high school who said, who asked me what I wanted to do someday, and I said. Well, I think maybe be a pastor. And she says, well, I don't want to be a pastor's wife. And that was the end of that, <laughs> that relationship. A, a relationship over. Why those three things? You said a, a lawyer, a doctor, obviously business. Why those three things? Did Your father was in business, so, so you saw some yeah, of that. So I think you see some of that from modeling. I see. I see. Uh, the attorney, because I uh, felt like it was an area where you could differentiate and protect people. It's contentious. So I don't know. I am... Uh, if you do enneagrams, I'm a two, mm -hmm. so I'm. I don't like to be contentious. I like to solve problems and help. Yeah, you got that from your mother, from yeah. the heart space. It really, it, I did, no question about it. And so, um, uh, that's why I think probably the pastoring wave happened for a period of time, and then um, certainly uh, on the doctor side, you could be helping people along the way, and on the medical side. So those were just interests of mine. It's how you can help people. And I remember when I really made a decision to go into business, it was because it was a clear call to do that. And I and it was a call away from anything else that was a distraction, which was helpful for me. I need to have solid foundations in my life moments yeah. right. where I know there's a calling for the next direction on wow. anything that's a big chapter. Wow. And I pray to that end. And hmm. when that comes, when the footer hits, then that's what you lean on. Because you're going to have hard times. You're going to have empty times. You're going to have doubt Yourself, yes, of course. You know, you're gonna have people that tell you how terribly you do what you do, right. because you can rely on those people. They're there; they will show up. And so, what's your footer? Right. What's the thing that you lean back into? And it needs to be a call. And I think sometimes we work too much to do the things that we posture and perceive should be done, and don't spend enough time listening. And I wish earlier in my life I had been better at spending more time praying and listening. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, 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 one of my favorite, uh, Dr. Carl Jung said, he who looks without is asleep, but he who looks within, the listening aspect, really digging deep, finding out what is the calling on my life? What is the purpose and meaning of my life as opposed to just waking up, going to work, right. clocking in, but there's something uh, much greater than yourself. Uh, fast us forward a little bit. So, I mean, you're doing some amazing things at 14, 15, building, you know, a mile long, things that grown men uh, would, would not do today. Where did you go to college and uh, what did you start to uh, narrow down on at that point? So I grew up in Indiana. We lived in southern Indiana. I went to Indiana University when I graduated from high school and I went and got a degree in business. Um, I was a sophomore president of our fraternity. That was unusual. So that was a picture of um, early leadership that was exactly. starting to manifest that you don't think, well, I'm not a leader, yeah, you know, yeah. and the, but other people think you are. <laughs> and, and I think there's goodness, by the way, uh, in leading to make sure that you don't believe your own press reports and drink that perfume too hard because otherwise you really think it's all about you and you fail in your ability to help and, and serve others. And so um, I loved doing that. I loved uh, leading our fraternity. So I was that president for two years. And then when I graduated from college, I uh, decided to go to a um, ministry in California called Campus Crusade for Christ at the time. It's crew today uh, for a month long yeah, training yeah. Right. Uh, for on biblical studies mm -hmm. and I thought you know for four years of college I should probably invest in that a little more itself so when I went there I actually met my wife to wow. be I didn't know that at the wow. time of course and but that's where we met and so she was assigned to Indiana in a ministry she was wow. going on staff with them and wow. I was just going for the training 
And so uh, that was a marker of provision. Sure. And uh, I, w- I am a dramatically different person because of who I married. I believe that 200%. I'm, I'm, I just know who I would have been without her and who I am with her, and I am so grateful for her, and my best friend in the whole world. Now, you, you, uh, my, my wife's head is getting so much bigger. <laughs> but you're, you're 200% correct, right? Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So take us up, too. So what did you enjoy most about your college life while you were in college? So it's so funny because I think back, and maybe this is true for other people, but I think back, what skills did I learn in college that I applied in business? And right. I don't remember really thinking about, oh, well, this class taught me this principle, which I'm sure it did. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure you benefited from. But mostly it was the relationships with people, learning how exactly. to um, developing friendships, you know, that have stayed for life, learning how to handle matters that are um, difficult, uh, uh, being a, a collaborator and starting to get people who are in disparate rooms on issues to, to agree on uh, things and to settle. And I found I just would find myself in those roles. Uh, so I think college for me, and I feel irresponsible in saying this, was far more valuable from the social standpoint than it was the educational standpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I may discount what I learned. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, success, I, I say this all the time on our podcast, success is all relationships. Yes. The, you know, because the, the people are the, yes. the that's the success. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That's good. So speed us up as well. So. Sorry for that. No, worries. you never know who's going to talk and break into these things. That's okay. <laughs> Welcome them in. Yeah, right, That's right. right. Wherever you are. So bring us back up again. So you're in college. Um, you made these relationships. Relationships. I have these braces in, so it's kind of hard. That's okay. We still so. get it. <laughs> so relationships that you made. What relationship do you think was key while you're in um, college? Well, there were two really key ones. First of all, I dated. Uh, a person who I was absolutely certain I was going to marry for four and a half years, and that took me from high school into college. And she ended up while, and we got engaged, and she ended up dating my best friend while we were engaged. Wow. Who was also my roommate. Wow. And so when all that... Don't pass that. Don't, don't pass that. Let's not move past that, Mayor. Let's not move past that. All right, okay. Take okay. us back. When you dis- This is a woman you're about to marry. Right. This is a woman you're in love with, right? right. Absolutely. How, how else would you propose to her? You find out that um, she's dating your best friend. Talk to us a little bit about what's going on internally at this point. Because a lot of people could have given up, could have dropped out of uh, college. Any, any number of things could have happened. Tell us exactly what's going on in your mind at this time. So that was probably um, the greatest issue of betrayal I had ever encountered because it was two people that were extremely important to me. Of course. And are very close. Um, So when I found out, when I finally figured this out, and maybe I was a little slow on the uptake, you know, (laughs) but when I finally figured this out, I took her home to her sorority after we had been together and it was a not such a great evening and I said um, uh, I think that you're in love with somebody else and she said I am and I said I think I need my ring and, <laughs> and, and she took it off and handed it to me and I was suicidal Wow! so my immediate thought was to drive a pickup truck that I was in into a quarry that was about two miles away, and I started going there about 90 miles an hour on a road. Wow. So in my, it, and it's very interesting in a moment like that to think about this solves problems. Yes. Mm-hmm. This cleans up issues. I don't have to face future pain. Yeah. It was a, a clearly a practical decision in my mind. Fortunately, I've always been a geek, and I had a CB radio in my car, and most college students did not have CB radios back then. And there was a woman I never met in this city who broke on the radio for me and and, uh, I answered it and she said, what are you doing right now? And I um, told her what had just happened. I didn't tell her exactly what I was doing. She said, and what are you doing? Are you driving? And I said, yes. And she said, I want you to turn around and go back to your house and I want you to give your keys to one of your fraternity brothers. Wow, wow. Wow. That is the only reason, actually, that we're sitting here talking today. Wow. And I've never met her since. You know, I only knew her on as a 
Mama Cat and Mayor, <laughs> Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, <laughs> and the, that's and, a powerful let, story. let me ask you, Mayor, who do you attribute that to? That that oh. call, that that call that random person. So the reality that I now am certain of is that was God's intervention to not only stop me in that moment, but it was also his intervention in breaking up that relationship mm-hmm. for the wife that he was That's right. saving for me. <laughs> That's who right. was just been such a blessing that the you don't ever want to compare people right and so i don't want to do that but i would just tell you that the immense blessing that my wife has been to me the stretch that i became as a person as a result of her and particularly even spiritually yeah um uh, is um hemispheres yeah of course of course behind every great man is a great woman (laughs) (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that next (laughs) that's just the first time (laughs) that's amazing and the thing about it is i've had a very similar experience where uh a person that i was absolutely in love with same situation and for a good eight nine months you wouldn't have recognized me the things that i started drinking heavily i started i was mentally lost because in that moment you're picturing your life with this person forever. You've you've already made plans. We're going to have X amount of kids. We're going to live in this place. You really confine in that person. And that level of betrayal is uh, is heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I certainly can can resonate with that as well. And, and thank you for sharing that story with us. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're, you um, this person calls by miracle. God intervened, obviously, one, to save you from that night but to prepare your future for what is happening here today. Uh, you come to yourself. Tell us a little bit about that uh, the, transition. that transition after that. So it was so interesting. Before um, I, I leave for college, I have graduate. I have a friend who has been kind of my discipler after that happens, and he was a marvelous influence in my life and uh, later worked for uh, at the White House in um, Washington, D.C. to do ministries among congressmen. And uh, so powerful person in terms of life impact. And he challenged me to go to cruise summer uh, classes of that month training uh, to consider maybe going on staff with them or just to get the biblical training from it. And he gave me a brochure and I put it on my desk and never paid any attention to it. It's one of those things. When all this happened, I then finally felt a call to go. And I looked up the brochure, and the final date for registration was tomorrow. <laughs> and so I, I registered. And then I told my parents I'm going. And I think my dad thought, oh, wait, he's gone. He's off into missions. He's going to go to another continent. He's history if he goes there, you know. And so he was trying to be very, uh, oh, no, don't do that. And I, there was just no question that's what I was going to do. And then when I was there, there was this cute little blonde girl that sat down at the river every day when we had our devotions out in the morning that was distracting to me. I was looking, for, you know, at the mountains and other things, but there's this, she's really cute. <laughs> and um, eventually we meet, but that was orchestrated by God. And I, there's details and all of that, but um, and then she gets placed and then we date and then she becomes my wife. <laughs> you sped through that pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I first asked her to marry me, she goes, well, you might be the right person, but it's not the right time. And I go, "Wow, what was that? That's, <laughs> that's the right woman. That's it. She's she's not about to make a decision based on impulse. Right? Wow, wow, that's fantastic. That. Okay. So, so now you you go on this mission. Now at this t- you're in your mid twenties, I assume, mm-hmm. early twenties, early twenties, right? Early twenties. So, are you beginning to figure out what your life journey is, or what your path is supposed to be? Sure. So I, by that time. I want to go into business, and that's and I uh, get a job with a distribution company that's really fun for me on the operations side, and they put me through a program. Then they put me on the sales side, and that was really fun for me. I loved the sales side. So it was like I loved both arenas to be able to work in, and it helped me to be an effective salesperson when I, when I first understood the difficulties and the technical needs operationally so that I could uh, handle what could be done better and, and knew how – it would work and balance between both parties, which is why we want to do cross training whenever we can, because right. we don't walk in somebody else's shoes. We don't realize when we don't fill out a form fully, when we don't do all those things where we shortcut that we have to have a staff <laughs> oh, of people right. behind oh, us to clean up our messes with a broom all the time. You right, know? right. And so you want to do your part and do it well. And um, I just grew in that company uh, very well, and I became their most successful salesman uh, by a million dollars of margin of volume in the first year and then continued to grow that. Wow. And then, mm-hmm. um, 
Uh, How long were you at that company? So I was at that company three years. The company was purchased by another company, and then we consolidated operations. I went into their heavy-duty truck parts side of it. So then I got to do both the service as well as the other operations on sales. So I learned a lot about distribution, about service. That was giving me backdrop for the automotive side, which, of course, I don't know that I'm preparing to do someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, And um, uh, so eventually that company gets purchased by a larger company because it continues to grow, and I was named as their uh, director of marketing for the larger 50-store um, locations, and um, it was hard for me. Because I was entrepreneurial, I loved being able to impact my world and go and grow. And so I had a two-year employment agreement with them. At the end of year one, I asked them if I could unplug and bow out and um, bought a car dealership. Wow. And so we looked in Indiana, couldn't find one. Uh, The one that kept coming back up over and over again was in Lakeland, Florida. I was so-so on Lakeland. I thought it was an okay town, but just not great. (laughs) And and this is really true. And so I remember standing on Munn Park one day and just looking. And this is 26 years ago, so there's not a lot going on Right, there's not a lot happening right now. And it's not um, invigorating and thinking about, and I have 10 kids at this point in time. Wow. And, you know, we kind of skipped over that part, but Pam didn't want to have kids right away. Mm-hmm. Wanted to maybe have them two years after we'd been married. And, of course, remember, she didn't say she wanted to get married even right. in the right beginning. Away. Right away, So once we agreed to marry, um, uh, she gets pregnant on our honeymoon. And so she's, I have, I've married, and now I'm going to have a kid <laughs> right away. And she just is not this nurturing mother, you know, in her mind. But yeah. she was one. Yeah, and so once we had had one, uh, we just trusted God for our kids, and this is what happens. Wow. We originally thought we'd probably stop it for maybe, you know, and we didn't. Wow. <laughs> and you know, you someone was someone was telling us about that. They said, you know, the mayor has ten kids. I said, no. Twelve. twelve. I, you have twelve. Twelve kids. Yep. I said, I have six. I have half a dozen. We have six. Yes. yes. And he said, uh, you had twelve. So I, I guess I he the person told me ten. I said, no way. Now you saw the family well. picture. Huge yeah. family and grandkids, beautiful. It's so Absolutely. fun. So we're, we just found out about our 28th grandchild who's cooking. Wow. And so um, we're uh, really excited about that. But it's the best single decision we made as a couple was having more children wow. and not mm-hmm. just doing the, this is what's practical and a stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from having an open hand before what God wants to put in your life. What God wants and to so do. we really said four is where we kind of thought we'd stop. And then, um, so we trust in God to four. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. We trust you here, and here's your limits. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, uh, she got pregnant, and so it was the fifth. And I will tell you, it took more faith as we kept going on, not less faith as wow. we went along. Wow. And um, uh, but we ended at twelve. Wow. Tell us a little bit about uh, that family dynamic, dynamic. How, uh, th- that, that big family. Tell us a little bit about Thanksgiving. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about Christmas mm-hmm. and get-togethers. Well, it's it starts with how are we going to raise our children and what the environment is going to be like at home. And we were the beneficiaries of um, Jim Dobson's book, The New Dare to Discipline, at the time that it was written. And so we really applied that, where there's a balance of love and control. Uh, We want our kids to know their love, that we play hard, that we have a great time and laugh, but there is control about what we do and what we don't allow, Uh, that there is not going to be sibling rivalries. We are not going to tolerate that, and you do not backtalk your mother Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. Not around me, because that's that's red-letter stuff. (laughs) So, um, And so you learn that respect. Work first, play later, because you always underestimate amount of the time that you have work to do and you overuse the amount of time play you have to do wow. so you have to reverse those two things wow work wow. first play later make the bed when you get out of it so you have your first victory out of the bed wow so that yours completion and that's a life habit just to keep from sloppy right. exactly you know? and so exactly. all those are little things stay at the table when we're eating you don't get up it doesn't matter what age you are we don't have to make excuses for kids hmm. we can tell the kids what we're going to allow them to do or wow. not mm-hmm. and so uh, those little controls around the family table. The family table is an absolute uh, former of personality and values and standards that you do not want to walk away from. And when we at, live in a world where the subtle uh, problem becomes that we don't eat dinner together and we eat flying all the time, to have three family meals a week is an accomplishment. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. Um, so 
make sure you have them and you make sure that you protect them. We used Wednesday nights as parlor night. So parlors used to be where people on their front porches would have people come in and walk and learn yeah. about life. So we invited those people in. So we would bring a Hazel Haley in and have her tell us about what it was like when we went through the segregation era and, wow. and, and all that kind of uh, how, how did they solve problems when they took the high schools and put them together and what were those problems like? And Willie Wolfson, who would tell us about World War II and being the first Jewish, uh, second Jewish um, uh, Eagle Scout in Polk County, but his brother was the first, wow. but the first Jewish family in Lakeland. Wow. And, and, and night, you know, week after week of people that they would learn from and ask questions. So the goal was not only to have that person tell a story out of their life, but it was also for our kids to start to engage right. in listening well enough to ask pertinent questions about their lives wow. and, and augment that. Wow. Willie Wolfson talking about walking, watching the ice truck come down the street so that as little kids they could run and break off an icicle in the heat of the summer <laughs> wow. and suck on it just to have something like a popsicle right. would wow. be today. Wow, you know? wow. And, and thinking about how different life is. Yeah. So we so that those kinds of uh, things are important. So I, the other issue that we taught our kids a lot was um, when I would do devotions between 10 to 12 years old, I would do devotions with those two children. And um, the reason is I used a newspaper and my Bible and then discussion to talk about what we learned. And the Bible would point us to sometimes prophecy being revealed in the newspaper, so it's not a surprise. And the newspaper's current events, it's life going on. And yeah. then we take the obits page of that day and uh, they would pick two of the obituaries and we'd read those two and those columns are going to be a reduction of your life what do you want your life's column wow, to say that's fantastic you know and so they would learn to watch for things that were significant much some lives that were much more significant at least in what was revealed in the impact of what they sure, did sure. versus others and um we would talk to them about trying to minimize at age 85 the regrets they are going to have if they're sitting rocking in a chair and thinking about their life. Absolutely. To minimize the numbers of those. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in once again to Evolve into Power. More ways to watch is on our YouTube channel, and that's at the Claire Seuss Group. That's C L A I R C I U S Group. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Now, if you're interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate, you can give us a call, 863-323-7778. Now, our office is based out of Central Florida, but we can service you wherever you're at. We sell properties from the $50,000 range on up to the million-dollar range, multi-million-dollar range. So please give us a call, 863-323-7778. It'll be one of the best calls you've ever made. Now, let's get back to the show. That's fantastic. I mean, uh, family values, I think. Uh, specifically, uh, when the kids are able to see their parents live out, one, they live out their faith first and foremost, that mm -hmm. that their devotion and their commitment is to their their creator, almighty God, and then to display those things in everyday living. I think that has all of the difference in the world. So, you know, that's fantastic. Mayor Mutz, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about now. You said you're standing at Munn Park. You're questioning the uh, 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 car dealership business. What caused you to pull the trigger or what caused you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm running away from this place. There's nothing happening here right now. Uh, obviously, we're grateful you stayed. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> what caused you to keep moving forward? I prayed that God would put up obstacles that would show me not to do this. And instead... Every obstacle was out of the way the whole way through. So I was really praying one direction, and the opposite is what occurred. Wow. We had not had good negotiations. They'd gone on and off, on and off. And um, all of a sudden, when I really got serious about that, because it was kind of tormenting because I'm thinking about moving my family. They're all in school. You know, I have a, a, a oldest child, say, junior in high school, and um, one has just gone to Purdue and just started in college. Uh, that semester and then I so I negotiated on this deal almost a year and when I prayed that prayer everything opened and, wow. it, and it, it came to fruition so I came home from a trip and I said Pam we're moving to Florida she goes what <laughs> and, and because we had done this so long it probably wasn't going to happen you know yeah right. and all of a sudden when it happened it happened Bam, right. and we were done so huge upheaval we had great friends uh wonderful uh Bible study that we did in our home with some close friends. Everybody in that group had a piece about us going. So even though we had this um, 
these very, very clear friends, we were supported the whole way along the way. And I remember my small group of men that I met with at uh, 6.30 once a week on a Friday when we talked to them, one of the guys said, you know what, I'm going to tell you, you're not going there for that car business. God's going to use you in a unique way in that community. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, wow. um, and I hung on to that. I really did. Wow. I want to go back to what you talked about with regarding the businesses, and then we're going to talk about mentors. Um, so when you had the businesses, you were learning different things. Kind of tell us about how all those things started adding up. And it kind of prepped you to become the person that you are today because we mentor people and they think that the experiences that they go through, they're just useless. Right. You know, and we try to mentor them and tell them that everything that you go through is building upon something else. So you need to go through X, Y, Z in order to get, you know, to the end goal. So kind of talk. Well, and school taught us that, didn't it? Because we took classes we didn't like, Exactly. you know, because they were trying to expose us to things that Mm -hmm. we needed to know. Um, So I. I think it's particularly in business, we have to recognize there's two issues going on. One is what we need to learn because we need to be able to handle cash matters, cash flow matters. You know, oh, yeah. cash flow matters more than profit. Exactly. And, and so you have to know how, how you are managing cash. And so you've got to understand accounting to run a business well. Uh, you have to understand people because you need to understand customers and you need to understand employees. And those are two different arenas and they're really both your customers. Right. Employees are your customers. Right. And your job is to make sure that their experience is good. Um, but then there's also this other side, which is your passions. So we have a natural bent and strength-based desire to move into the things we love to do. So it's good to know what those things are, but to recognize those passions have to be tempered by other things you need to know and learn. Oh, right. Okay? Exactly. But don't forget them. We want to run in that race. We want to, we want to take that um, uh, opportunity for you to be able to use those. But there's more. It's just, but there's more. It's, but there's more. And I think in mentoring, that's what we have to do. So you have to start to place more value on people. People are always more important than things. Um, people are not reflected on the balance sheet, and they're the most important asset you have in the company. Absolutely. And we just, you can say those things, but... You have to do it. How, so what kinds of decisions do I make with people? How much lean will I give if somebody has a really tough circumstance going on in their life? I needed a broken engagement to understand the pain of despair that somebody's going through a divorce, that they're having to feel and experience, and they're going to be off their game at work. Yeah. And how much grace can we show during a period of time? That's all part of understanding people. Grace based servant leadership is how we win mm-hmm. and it is not done um, by pushing buttons and writing a new policy and and taking strong stands do you need it do we need to have policies sure um, but we have to have the flexibility of life real life to go in there and so if I'm mentoring someone well I'm going to mentor so that they understand the whole person and the need to to make a relationship as rich as possible and I have had um, Bible studies with guys who are um, hardcore D decision makers, you know, in terms of uh, hey, that's the way it is and it doesn't matter otherwise. Yeah. And I don't see he's got a problem. Why didn't he fix that problem? He shouldn't shouldn't. He keeps doing that over and over again. Well, an addiction's <laughs> an addiction. Yeah. You know, yeah. so how much do we want to help him with the addiction? That's his problem to help him. Well, is it? You know, what's our responsibility? We're tent makers here. The reason we do business is not for acquiring wealth. The reason we do business is for allowing our lives to reflect a testimony of God, showing him by a willing service, we're willing to give up a lot of things that we could have for ourselves for the benefit of other people. Wow. And so that's why we have such great philanthropy in this country. The sad part is our philanthropy in the last five years has been much more from people with lots of wealth and much less from people that have less wealth, less participants in the giving. And we need to think about what are we doing that's making us think about the fact maybe we have an opportunity to give back more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to touch base on, uh, before we, uh, I want to get to some of the amazing things that you're doing. We definitely want to talk about the re-election for sure. Mm -hmm. Let let me ask you this, because I know a lot of people, they're trying to avoid the difficult situations, right? They don't want to go through a bad divorce. They don't want to go through a, a loss of a job. They're trying to stay away from the difficult situation, having experienced some of the things that you've had. Talk about how important it is to go through those experiences because those are what's going to shape you. It's going to build character. 
uh, talk a little bit more about that. So you're dead on the money. So where God uses and trains us the most is where we have to surrender. Okay, so it's once we are about to hit the wall at 90 miles an hour, what do we do? So the best application I can give you is one that I'm not personally proud of, but I'm going to share it with you. When my son had his marriage of five years impacted by his wife having an affair, and he w was despondent, I was despondent, we teach marriage conferences, and so um, I'm trying to work on all the tools. I can see no movement on her part to want yeah. to come back. I met with him. And I said, now remember my devotional story I told you earlier? Mm -hmm. I met with him and I said, I think you're going to need to start to meet with an attorney and consider what you need to do to start the process of a divorce. He said, let me tell you something. When I'm 85 years old and I'm rocking in a chair, she's going to be in that chair right next to me. And in that moment, I watched my son grab on to principles that he'd learned in wow. The house. I went about wow. this tall, and they are married today because he persisted, because she got to a point where she went, What am I doing? They have a precious granddaughter that we have wow. you know, today. And I hold that granddaughter, and I think that's because of someone who didn't quit when it wow. got tough. Yes. Mm. Wow. That's touching. That's beautiful. And to think about it again, because uh, nowadays, it goes back to what you said. Ray Dalio has a book called Principles. When you live on principles as opposed to emotion, as opposed to feelings, I rather do people that are uh, business with people that stand on principles sure. because a person like that, you can count on them. Right. They're not going to make decisions that I feel this way today and I feel that way today. They know this is what we stand on and this is the direction. And that goes a lot to your leadership uh, and, and your wife's it leadership in the home. Yeah. And uh, let's fast forward a little bit because I'm excited to some of your leadership here in this great community, how you've served uh, uh, as a servant leader. Talk a little bit about how you got involved into that arena. Well, it was probably genesis by my participation on boards. And as soon as I finished Leadership Lakeland, which, by the way, the attorney for the car dealership that I'm purchasing is the Leadership Lakeland chairman for the next year. <laughs> so the, we're signing all these forms, and then he hands me one more form. He says, sign this at the bottom. I said, I haven't seen this form, you know, because you're used to having previewed all the documents. We have tables and tables of documents. He goes, it's a form for a thing called Leadership Lakeland. Just sign the form at the bottom. And, send it. and then I was in that class, which fast-forwarded me immediately to opportunities in Lakeland, which, I, which was wonderful. And then when I... Um, uh, finished the night of graduation leadership Lakeland Alice O'Reilly from Vista said I want you to be on my board and so um, I did that right away and that started my board service in the city and you started to see opportunities to help people not recognizing this so much in myself as what God has gifted me with so I don't take credit for it I am uh, a collaborator and I am a person who listens well and I am a person who likes to try and find the middle those are just it's just where my my head goes and my heart and I'm people centric. So when you, when that's the case, then you're going to recognize where there's gaps. You're going to recognize things that we're making too comfortable for this group of people. And we're not considering everybody else in this group of people. The great thing about a Republic is that we didn't choose to do everything by referendums. Otherwise we didn't need to have government. We could have a referendum sure, for everything and let's sure. vote on everything we're sure. going to decide to do. Sure. We chose leaders who would recognize the needs of people as a whole. Absolutely. And therefore, they are always going to have to represent minorities in the process of decision-making because a referendum wouldn't. Sure. It is. Um, and so we got into that right away in our um, uh, commission. But we had I had learned a lot of that through the board service in this community. And I have had wonderful opportunities to be on both business boards as well as not-for-profits here, serving on the hospital board for 12 years and then chairman for two years on that and understanding the tremendous complexities in the healthcare industry wow. you know, that exist and the tension of pressures and the ownership by the city of the, of the hospital's facility and its lease you know, and the lease difficulties in financially for pressure of the hospital. All of that, God just is a serve up for what's <laughs> right. going to need to happen in the future sure. to create certainty for both parties and reduce costs. And I look at that and I'll sometimes and just almost shake my head wow. to think about how God just was exposing in the process. Serving on um, as a trustee for at both Southeastern and Florida Southern and on Lakeland Christian's board for almost 20 years. And 
um, having those background opportunities to see both public and private school experience needs um, has been very, very valuable. And the important part of staying in your lane in terms of what you can contribute, not getting out of that lane, that's their responsibility to do the things in that lane, but to also try and create the maximum opportunities for people, both educationally and in health, and we have a lot of opportunity, a long way to go. Yes. Playing fields in life are not equal. For sure. Your life's experience isn't everybody else's experience. That's correct. And they have, and lots of people have never had models that we have had. Our job is to find those chuckles, those gaps, and figure out what we can do for people who are wanting to be helped in that regard. Not everybody wants to be Absolutely. helped. Absolutely. I can go down to Munn Park and point to the people that that have That's been exactly homeless right. for three years and they love what they're doing every That's day. That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. Wow. That's true. I want to go back to the mentorship. So who in your life were um, some excellent mentors that you would say that kind of helped you become who you are today and evolve? Well, one of them was a, um, I think you want to look for mentor leads. Somebody five years out maybe, somebody 10 years out, and then maybe even somebody 20 years out from where you are. So when we had four kids, we I, I picked up a mentor um, who was 10 years older than me who had four kids. So their kids are ahead of ours in terms of their life experience, and we did an accountability partnership together for 19 years. Wow. And so um, we had a great, he's a wonderful friend still to this day, and great learning relationships, and we learned a lot from them, both from things they did well and watching things that they didn't do as well in execution that helped gird us up on the kind of things that you take place, that, that you take place. On a, a business basis, my dad was clearly my mentor and uh, taught me self-discipline early for my 10th birthday, gave me a book all wrapped up and it was the Constitution of the United States. Wow. That was the book okay. because wow. I want you to read through this and understand this is how we're founded. And self-discipline is how we do this thing. And wow. so that truly wow. prepared you. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> it's setting you up for, for the future. My mom on the spiritual side was a mentor for me. And then that man I talked to about in college was really the growth spiritual mentor in my life. Wow. It was very important at, at, because we have different levels of teachability, coachability at different points in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mayor, uh, talk, the people of Lakeland just continue to choose you time and time mm-hmm. again, right? Uh, obviously, one, just being with you, uh, you're certainly people-centric. And I think another thing about it is you're genuine, right? I think there's a difference, and I think people can see when someone is genuine. I know right now it's uh, uh, election time. The people know you. They know your heart. Uh, what would you, someone that's living under a rock that doesn't know who you are, <laughs> uh, what would you say to that listener right now? Well, it is easy for us to be cynical today about institutions, marriage, colleges, um, government, even businesses that we work for. And to think everybody doesn't care, nobody, if somebody's always on the take at some level, there's some benefit getting extended that I'm the only one that ever gets left out. And you wanna be very careful because that's just Satan's tool. We have very, very sacrificial, teachable, high transparency, high authenticity people all over this city leading in arenas and who are exactly who they say they are. We have to be careful of social media's propensity to make us posture sure. and to take the best moments instead of the vulnerable moments sure. and talk about those. Sure. So first of all, every part of your life story is used by God. So there's no reason not to share every part of your life story in a positive way sure, at the sure. right kind of moment in the right kind of environment. Sure. Secondly, you are fully equipped to be exactly what you need to be to get done what God has called you in this life to do, right. to pour those footings and finish them. You aren't missing anything. And thirdly, comparison is a killer. So you compare yourself to somebody else's role and what they're doing, and you add being cynical to that, you are not going to move forward. You're sure. going to move backwards or at least grind your wheels in the same sand all the time. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see so that. being transparent, being vulnerable, saying I'm sorry quickly, making certain that you keep short accounts, m- knowing that you can walk into any room and you're not going to worry about anyone who walks in that room. You can say hi to everybody that walks in. Because if you can't say hi to that person, then you owe something in a conversation to that sure. person sure. to settle, uh, you know, to, if, if nothing else – tell them that you are uh, apologize whether or not they decide to forgive you or 
offer them forgiveness for something they may have done to you. And um, uh, so I think if we just do those intentional steps in life, then we can relax into what God's called us to be. Once we do that, then we realize we are all just public servants at some level. Absolutely. In our businesses, me and in the opportunity. I never wanted to be in government. That was never on my radar. It was never (laughs) on my bucket list. And I was asked by a group of businessmen here to do that originally. And I laughed, and they didn't laugh. And I went, oh, no, this is uncomfortable. (laughs) And so, um, but I've never done anything vocationally that's been re- more rewarding for me not economically because <laughs> that's not the case but more rewarding for me personally in terms of just giving back what god has taught me in my life and the opportunity to reach back into those serial experiences sure. and be able to apply them so we've had things that would have walked away that we wouldn't have gotten done in the city that were done because i can be eyeball to eyeball with the ceo and say if you're committed to this we'll figure out how we can make work with you to get that done and that's terrific and yeah. and and um and it happens and yeah. so you look at things and that's in a pretty short period of time because it's in a four-year period of time Absolutely. now the setup was earlier on board participation and other relationships built in the city for that but that's not my setup that's god's work absolutely you know, and us being in it okay so we know that you were just featured in the lakelander as well you're on the cover of the vision magazine what vision do you have for lakeland well i think we are going to be one of the absolute premier cities in florida so first of all um, it's when you're 115,000 people city limits, 250,000, which is not a small group of people, you know, outside that really have Lakeland addresses. When we make decisions, obviously on an ordinance basis, we make them for city limits, but most of our decisions are how do they impact all Lakelanders and even Polk County as we go forward. On our Lift Lakeland program, for example, for when it comes to mentoring, we're changing the naming to Lift Mentoring because we want it to be beyond Lakeland. We don't want it to be just uh, a few cities. We want it to spread across the county. So um, what we have to do is preserve our quality of life. We have an extraordinary quality of life, particularly for what we pay in taxes here. So our property taxes are so incredibly low that people who come from New York or someplace up north go, Absolutely. This is a joke. Are you kidding? (laughs) This is my property taxes? Absolutely. Um, And we want to keep that, but we subsidize that from the, uh, obviously from uh, Lakeland Electric and the dividend we pay, but only a third of the services of the city are paid by property taxes. So two-thirds of it are funded by either the profitability out of the city of its own enterprise functions. So trash makes money, for example. Water makes money just slightly, and that's what you want to do so that you can invest back in capital as you go along. And and we build reserves where we have to build reserves. We're very prudent fiscally, and we're always staying in the black, which is so important. This is amazing. And and it's going a, back to running business. Uh, it's, and and so it's it's the way you make decisions how you think. And we cut taxes twice as we're improving these quality of life arenas. But we have to make certain we have parks available. So we just purchased the 161 acre park on the southwest side of town, which is the right time and the right amount of money and from a family that was benevolent and really almost walked away from a million and a half more they could have made for themselves but they love Lakeland and it's their opportunity to serve the city it's a great story on the Wellman family um we've turned around and and um worked on what are we going to have for bike paths and the increase in walking paths that can sound silly but you have to connect all that stuff through FDOT and the city corridor. So we have one downtown that doesn't make any sense today, but it's when we could put it in and when the money was available statewide to do it, and it'll make sense someday, wow. you know, right. and, it, and it'll be great. We uh, have to take moments like Bonnet Springs Park, and how do we do and support that, and how do we use that as an opportunity to extend our downtown west and to bring northwest part of Lakeland into downtown in a much more right. uh, holistic way and in, in establishing more value for those properties. And as you do all of this, your property values grow because the quality of life and the people Absolutely. who desire to live there grow, and new businesses start, Absolutely. and the new business are responsible for a bulk of those um, uh, millage options for us. So as we, so, all of that takes lots of relationships, lots of work, and <laughs> lots of time. I mean, it sounds and flows easily, but it is technical. And we have people dedicated in areas that are superb at doing this work uh, as we go forward. So then it's what kind of businesses do we want to attract? How do we take an innovation district and really lock it around Poly and SunTrack so that we could become an autonomous vehicle uh, center worldwide that really is different and we have all the assets here to do this. We have to seize the moment. How do we work well with other cities and how do we prepare for water needs? 
ten, which take almost 10 years to produce. So you can't decide, oh, well, I'll get water out of this source. It takes 10 years to get that source wow. in place. And so we're working on those things. And then we work cooperatively with those other cities. And I have a wonderful opportunity to have relationships with those other city mayors and managers. And um, and we and I, in that group, am a collective uh, a collaborating force where we could have had it blow up a couple of times before. And I'm just grateful to be there. So from my standpoint, it's just fun to be able to be in the Sim City of all of this, you know, and watching God use it. Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, my goal is just to show up to serve. Yeah, and, and watching history happen right before your right. very eyes. I, I And I know from that same magazine she referenced, uh, you know, you're calling for a more collaborative and inclusive and togetherness community. Talk a little bit about that. What do you see that looking like? Well, I love watching the hearts of people across our community. One of I had a fundraiser um, for my campaign uh, a week ago, and when I was looking out over the room at the people that were in the room, my heart was so warmed because I thought, this is a room full of people that would hardly ever all be together at the same time. Wow. And I thought, that's a picture of nonpartisanship in a city. That's why we don't talk about parties. That's why we talk about people. And it's why we talk about where we can build the bridges. And so um, we have so many patriarch and matriarchal, why, matriarchally wise people in our community that have so much to give and have sucked up and taken personal responsibility and done tough things and not been recognized that we can be celebrating and then allowing those lives to start to transfer and mentor into the lives of others. And when you do this well as a city, then you get people that are, get interested in making sure that somebody's new business starts successful across the Absolutely. sector of the city they may not normally work in. And, uh, right. and, 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 and you make sure that people are living in every sector of your city well, you know, and, and we just become the community, the harmony that we're intended to be. Wow. And, but it takes intentionality sure. and time and relationships to do that. And the confidence that people believe you really mean it yeah. and you want to. And I think we're at a period of time in our city where we can set an example, uh, not only in the state of Florida, but even on a longer term basis nationally about what happens when you honor people well. And that's our goal as a commission is to honor people. That's fantastic. I want to ask, so as you're talking, I'm actually seeing your life playing out exactly how you said. From your, <laughs> from your dad giving you the book, the Constitution book, to your wife, you know how she has a caring spirit as well. But from the, um, you guys sitting around the, the dinner table, you know, not getting up until you finish, from making the bed, I see all of that playing out, even the business aspect. But one thing I want to ask you is, I know that you said that you've been in Lakeland, is it 26 years mm -hmm. you moved? So from that 26 years ago until now, kind of tell us that the transitions that you saw, you know, happened or that took place here in Lakeland. I think we've seen a city that went from kind of a sleepy bedroom community that was, and we, we talked about it, that people can work. This is a great place to live, so you can go to Tampa and Orlando to work, right. you know, and, and um, that that's what from to where this is where we can attract businesses and people are wanting to live here. We have people and stories that I hear with some frequency that we first found out what we loved about Lakeland. It was this school. It was this church. It was this business that existed here. It was that you had an incubator here. And we moved here because we know we can work from anywhere today, and there's more of that flexibility. So I'm choosing first where I want to live and then um, um, becoming part of that community. That's who we're going to continue to grow to become. We are uh, Amazon loves working with us. They consider us one of the most nimble cities they work with anywhere in the country because we solve problems, answer questions, and we get it done. And they so they were going to do the other 500,000 square feet at the Air Center five years out. Now they want to do it now. And, they, and so we're really in the process of doing all the engineering to get that building done. We'll have 2,000 employees out there. Wow. And so um, those are great kinds of additions. Tech, uh, distribution was something we were good at post uh, citrus departure and so we started to bring warehouses here then we found out that the warehouse jobs didn't pay as much as some of other manufacturing jobs so we worked on attracting those pushing distribution away until we started looking at high-tech distribution so we work to attract the high-tech dis distribution facilities here which pay much better wages wow. and give people greater opportunities to grow within those businesses um, continuing working on manufacturing. But what we've seen happen is we went from where 
we had one great restaurant on Lake Mirror here to eat in, yeah. and it was free on your birthday to where we have <laughs> to where we have lots of them uh, today, and we're going to have so many more. Uh, working on a project downtown right now where we might uh, have a terrific new restaurant and a wonderful facility above it that would accent it that's a different business and you start to just see these are projects one at a time but you have to match the petri dish of opportunity sure with people who want to make the investment sure with the right plan to where that can happen and the right kinds of um uh impact fee forgivenesses that can help Motivate it sure. and do those things wisely, not giving up something that we shouldn't, but getting something much better for all of us long term in terms of quality of life. And so to me, it's super exciting because that it's just like you're kind of in this little boiling, Absolutely. simmering pot yeah. ready Absolutely. to do the next thing in a positive way. Right. And, and we're able to see right. that uh, uh, from uh, a real estate standpoint that Lakeland is literally one of the number one markets. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure from the from your seat. You must be very proud to see how your city is exploding in a positive way right. and how it's beginning to impact so many different lives. And it's so important that as we do, that we provide plenty of places for people to live in the process. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Evolving to Power. More ways to watch is on our YouTube channel at the Clarius Group. That's C-L-A-I-R-C-I-U-S Group. Also, you can tune in every weekend, every Saturday at 10 a.m. to KISS FM Radio. If you guys are interested in buying, selling, or investing in real estate, make sure that you reach out and give us a call. 863-323-7778. Now let's get back to the show. From the real estate side, I mean, we're seeing, just like you said, I mean, you hit it on the money. People are relocating from New York, from California. Their tax bills at twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000. Coming down here to Lakeland, not only are they getting the lifestyle, they're getting the sunshine, their, their taxes are a fraction and they get to build in a in a city that again like you said real estate is for the purpose of growing your 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 profits and your uh, um your appreciation on your house so that's happening here i mean my wife and i we couldn't be any prouder mm -hmm. to be uh, 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 to be living in lakeland to start building business in lakeland to raise our children here and to go to school in lakeland because we are seeing uh, the, shift. Uh, the shift, right? The, the, your vision playing out before our very eyes. Uh, Mayor, uh, also tell us is if someone wants to get together with you and they want to support your mission, they want to support your cause, how can they do that? What ways are available for them to do that? Well, they can always contact me. I'll make, I, I will make an appointment with anyone who has any ideas that they want to share or any uh, not-for-profits that they're trying to begin or, or to talk about even a business that they want to talk about. And um, they can just call my number, which is at um, uh, City Hall, which is 863-834-6005. And Tracy will set up the calendar. I don't do calendar anymore because <laughs> I get too much in trouble when I interfere with the calendar. And I've had just to learn to let go. It was a hard thing for me to let go of my calendar. But I have now successfully done it. It's taken almost four years. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, we, we understand. But back to the housing, too. The affordable housing has really skyrocketed and like you said I've, I've been in lakeland um i can say my whole life you know i travel back and forth as well from miami but i graduated here usf in tampa as well but i predominantly stayed in lakeland and just to see the tremendous growth that has happened in this city is amazing well and a commission that i have the privilege of serving with that made it a goal to do affordable housing you know, there's lots of places to talk about affordable housing, right. but that we don't want to ever do the investment or, or find the partners. And today, across the state, people know that if you want to do an affordable housing project, Lakeland will figure out how to make it happen. And so we have 800 of them on the books from since we started. And in year one, we were really getting traction. So it really took us three years to get 500 of them built. And we have 800 planned, and um, we have many more to go. And the goal Amazing. is to put them in the complete transit district throughout the entire city so that it is and even beyond our city limits some of them will go but within the city limits that we have a by rights ability for those um, particular investors to be able to do something and they know they're not going to have a long fight to get some kind of a conversion uh, on those properties so we've made the ordinance take place that give us a footprint to make our affordable housing, our workforce housing, our market price housing throughout the city just as we go around so that we don't create a density of anything in one area and we keep everybody's values up as a result. We had a contentious issue with um, Carolyn Lakes and an apartment complex that is being built in front of that. And 
I know at the time the Carolyn Lakes Towns homeowners really felt betrayed by the commission in that when in fact it was our goal to protect the entry as much as possible with the nicest multifamily housing uh, opportunity that we had had versus a strip center that would have been a commercial strip center located there that would have been horrible for that entry. And today I think, and we've worked with that developer, and this is an example of moving buildings over so that it was less onerous to the Carolina Lakes owners working on different entries that we could get at the same time alongside FDOT. And we don't always have the ability to get those answers in the moment. Everyone recognizes when this project is done, it is going to be in a great concurrence with the other rest of that area, publics across the street, making it a very, very Absolutely. attractive living area. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, Mayor, what is one question that we should have asked you, but perhaps we didn't know you well enough to ask that question? It's an interesting question. Um, I think sometimes, I'd, if I can twist it a little, I'd give you one lesson I've learned in this role that I wish I had learned earlier. Um, not everybody is interested in another opinion. And we know this to be true in life, and people can be strongly uh, proponents of an idea and tell you why you under need to understand this, and, <laughs> yes, and, yes. And, and, you, and you don't get it clearly, and maybe spitting a little bit as they're talking. <laughs> okay, And I, have, I, I will have a lot of those conversations in line at a restaurant or something, you know, when I'm just standing there, and I turn around, and pff, here it comes. And um, I will, I've learned to ask the question, would you like to know another view on that matter? And um, because there are multiple perspectives sure, to most issues. Absolutely. S most of the time, people will say no. Hmm. So I think it's important for us to save our opinions sometimes for teachable moments. Hmm. And I'll say to that person, well, there is one. And if you'd ever like to hear it, I'd be happy to share wow. it with you. And sometimes I'll get a call back. Not most of the time, but sometimes I'll get a call back on that. Then you're in a teachable moment. If we really are going to work to try and be compassionate with all people and to try and be understanding, it isn't a matter of us polarizing and spouting off our opinions. It's a matter of trying to find reasonableness in the middle that helps us get to decisions that bring quality of life for the broadest number of people. Absolutely. And it doesn't make you liberal and it doesn't make you conservative. It makes you people centric. Yeah. And, and, and so I think we drop the labels. We focus on what the asset is that we talked about earlier and that's where we keep our game. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And last question for me, and I want you to take us forward. So say you're 90 years old, you're looking out across your mansion of land with all of your kids. I say mansion as well because the, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, right. the kids are wealth. Yeah, right. too. Right. But you're looking out across, you're looking at all your grandkids, all your children. You're sitting in your rocking chair with your wife. Tell us what you imagine and what you would have hoped to accomplish by then. Well, I so that there's two levels for that answer. One is that they have a personal relationship with Christ. I have a uh, every one of our children and um, uh, in, and in loves have that, and it is such a blessing to know that they walk with God and they recognize the priorities that exist in life. Now, we all have differences in our life's journey and where we are in the sure. process of that, right. but the footer that needs to be in place spiritually is. Um, and seeing that be a first chair experience for our grandchildren is our, our goal and, the, and for their, their children. Uh, because I think this, when you pass on inheritance, the most important inheritance you pass on is a spiritual inheritance. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It isn't financial. And um, if that's passed on, then the financial inheritance is done responsibly much, or, or tendency to be done so. And it's going to support ministries. And by the way, if you supported ministries, and didn't give it to them, they understand the why, and it's okay, and and they're okay with that mostly. You know, there's there's always that flesh in there that wants to have a little something extra. But as a city, I would like this city to be considered a remarkable place to live, not because, and, and with wonderful assets in the city, wonderful, lots of walkability, uh, beautiful downtown, art throughout what we have as a community that is expressed both inside as well as outside absolutely uh, in places uh, safe because of a very effective law enforcement department which I'm a huge proponent of uh, but mostly that the quality of life is noted by as people caring if we can be a city 
that really is noted by honoring everyone, that to me would be a dream come true. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, Mayor, it's been an absolute honor and a privilege for myself and my wife to have you on the show. Before we close out, what would be one last piece of advice or something that's on your heart that you would love to leave with the listener? Um, Be comfortable in your own calling. The giftedness you have uh, the opportunities that are in front of you. Don't compare yourself to other people and use the high initiative of your life and match it with your passions and make a difference in this world because you care for others. That's what I'd encourage. I, I don't think I could have said it any better than that. Thank you so much for Thank your you. time and uh, uh, awesome to be with uh, you. taking the time to be here with us and sharing your story. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.